pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quackett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Draft Rugby, the game they play online in heaven. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Draft Rugby show where we discuss fantasy rugby, the game they play online in heaven. I'm your host, Nelson, and tonight I'm joined by Harry. Harry, how are you doing? Always good on podcast night, mate. Looking forward to uh, to getting stuck into all this. And I must say, I think I need 62 points from uh, from my three players that are delayed from last week to get a, a win in my matchup against the champ, last year's champ. So I'm a bit, uh, bit anxious as well, to be honest. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm quite happy Kagi isn't on the pod. So he looks like he's got the win against me with Parekhi pulling out last second. So... It's great that he's not here to rub that in, but he doesn't win many games, so don't give a dog a bone. <laughs> you can see here, Harry, I've got uh, my Waratahs hat on. Have you got a Waratahs membership? Yes. Where's your hat? They didn't send me one. Yeah, you're just not, you're just not committed. You're not... I think they only sent it to the bald members, actually, I'm pretty sure. No, nah, mate, you're not committed to your team. Right. Do you want to do any wrap of the OG League? I suppose that's it. That's the important ones, you and me, our matchups. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) All right, let's jump into the entree. So, I mean, Super Rugby Pacifica round four. Uh, We had more COVID disruptions last week, Harry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, um, we had New Zealand just stuffing things left, right and centre, didn't they? Um, (laughs) Definitely, let's just blame New Zealand. It's all their fault. They should be in Australia. Well, that's right. Well, they're just six weeks behind us for the latest infection, and it sounds like the new COVID strain, what is it, 2A yeah. is, um, or D2A or whatever it is, seven times more infectious than the, la- uh, the last Omicron strain. So it makes sense that the numbers are going gangbusters. And I saw New South Wales went from ten to 30,000 today as well. So there's every chance that, uh, that we might start to see some players affected in Australia. But... By the sounds of it, all of our players got it through January, December. So hopefully they're a little bit more immune and we don't get too affected. But I think basically every single team had to shuffle their lineups because of COVID. So it's not, yeah. it's not looking real good for the next few weeks of, uh, of for the competition, that's for sure. We all know that the Aussie rugby players are a bit tougher than the Kiwis as well. So hopefully they'll just, you know, man up and not get tested. And the, the fairest thing to do, I think, is just to call it a double a double forfeit whenever they have to cancel a game, so they get no points, and Australians just play on. You know, yeah. the best thing for the table, the fairest result, I think. I think that's fair, definitely fair. But yeah, the Hurricanes Moana game was the game that was canned last week. Lots of moving pieces in all the other Kiwi matches, but again, this week it looks like we're going to have more disruptions. We'll we'll touch on that in a little bit, but the first matchup we watched was the Blues and Highlanders. Blues taking it out 32-20. to 20. We had Bowden, Nepolalala, knock or pulled pre-game. Um, pair of franchise, Harry, shifted into that 10 jersey, something you've wanted to see for a little while, maybe not fantasy-wise, but just to you know, get his name in that 10 jersey. No, I like him at 10 in fantasy. I reckon he's probably better at 10 in fantasy, isn't he? I, I reckon he's the, the greatest. It like, looks like Bowden's going to have to play fullback again because he's just so damn good. I just honestly, I think that he's been so wasted at the Blues and if he was playing at the Chiefs, he would be, you know, the first choice fly half and uh, and, and he'd be absolutely killing it probably in the All Blacks conversation. I just, I don't understand and it's been 
through a lot of the competition this this year, the coaches' selections, I just don't get it. Like, he is quite clearly carving every single time he's on the field. He got 37 uh, fantasy points as well, for the record, so not not too shabby. But he was quite clearly, quite clearly the difference between the team. They said he didn't even train at 10 all week. He's just that good that his vision is phenomenal and he can just kind of carve up just on what he sees at ad hoc. Yeah, I, I don't get it, mate. He, he's an absolute weapon. He he delivers week in, week out for them when he's used, and then they just treat him pretty poorly and he doesn't get consistent game time. So they call him Perry Franchise for a reason, but it's hard for him to do that off the bench. I, I will remind you, this is not the Perry Franchise show, so we might just move on to a few of the other players. We'll yeah, <laughs> we'll come back. We'll come back. Maybe the next matchup. But uh, Bryce Heem... Killed it in the centres. You and I predicted it for some reason. All the other boys thought he was going to be junk, but it just means he gets in tighter, gets his hand in the ball more and gets involved. Tame Plumtree, we saw him come on, score two tries on his debut, run on debut. Absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah, you love it because I I think I told you to pick him up as well. No, I said, should I pick him up? And you went, probably. It's definitely not it. But anyway... He was a, every part of Super Rugby player, wasn't he? He just looked big, physical, composed. He's, he was very, very good. I was you know, really impressed by him. Start him every week. Just another back rower that, uh, that they can add to the list over in Auckland. Yeah, start him every week. Um, big source can move back into the second row. I'll, I'll take it. We also had Zahn Sullivan looking amazing at fullback. Um, he also kicked a 57-metre penalty goal, Harry. Look, we're going deep into these matches, but also we had better showings from uh, um, Mosesi Dawai, Coombs Fabling. What do you reckon of him this time, Harry? Mate, who is he, honestly? <laughs> it's the Alex Newsome of New Zealand rugby, let's be honest. Look, I just... He'll be captaining in a couple of years, basically. <laughs> well, I mean, if you if you look at Ultimate Rugby, it says he's two years old. So he's got a bit of, you know, a bit of growing, growing ahead of him. But, yeah, he... <laughs> He played 40 minutes. He made four tackles and four metres. So, I mean, he's a winger. He's not meant to make that many tackles, to be fair. But, yeah, it'd be nice for him to get involved and actually do something. Otherwise, what's he doing? But, yeah, four metres. So, yeah, that's not great, is it? Frizzell, Beast Mode, uh, Marino, Machielli, Tu'u. Um, run on start for this year. We knew it was going to come, but he's, uh, he's not back into his full stride yet. Was Frizzell still the, the player of the round? Because he was he was in the preliminary nah. scores, wasn't he? He was so good. No, nah, he wasn't, mate. He was one of my players. So right. we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that later. Second matchup, we had the Rebels v. the Brumbies. Do you want to kick us off in this one? Yeah, I mean, slightly better from the Rebels. I think you and I said they just got to play tight 10-man rugby and that's their only chance. They obviously got a couple of players back. Then they got Hodge and they got, um, they got Kelly Kelly back. back as well. Um, a couple of other changes to their bench and things, I think. But, yeah, that, look, that, that was the things that actually mattered. But 17 to 36, they went down. The Brumbies looked very comfortable. And then, I guess, late in the game where really I think the result was already done, the Rebels kind of held their own a little bit more in the back end of the game. Doesn't mean they're not the Sun Rebels anymore. No, I think they're still the Sun Rebels. They're, they've got their chance against the Young Waratahs this week to try and lose that name. But I, I think they're still pretty shit. Um <laughs> The Brumbies were dominant and, I mean, the coach is on crack if you look at his selections for next week, but I won't go into that just yet. Um, Rob Valentini just getting better and better. Consistency at Super Rugby is what we wanted to see last year and I think he did that. This year he's just now that physical presence that imposes himself constantly. 
The highlight of the game uh, was the final try of the match, James Slipper with the, the quick little ball, the slick little ball handling, you know, just basically, I think he almost turned his back to the to the actual defence through the dummy and then through the big long cutout and it was a uh, on the back on the inside and Tom Banks somehow collected it even though it was off his toes and then just put the gas on, put the pedal down and Jesus, you know, there's we, we do hassle Banks every now and then for not being overly well-rounded, but he has got serious gas. He was so, so fast. Um, you were saying, mate, reminiscent of another try. Oh, look, I um, reminiscent of, yeah, one of those huge, amazing tries, Milamu to Francis Sealy. What's his name? Sealy. 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 To uh, Millennium Nanai, a player that we miss dearly. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Kargi would be the one raving about that try for sure. And Lockie Swinton's inside ball to Maddox as well. Yeah, oh, that was a good one. And that was one of the things going, Swinton can't pass. Like, what? Yeah, that was, that was, what was that? and we just thought that was coming all year long and that was probably the only time we saw any of it. But um, also Tom Hooper playing his debut for lock, I think yeah. starting lock, um, and he was just absolutely incredible, got involved both on and off the ball. Uh, he's another big player around that 200-centimetre mark, so another one to look out for in the Brumbies in the tight five. Very, very impressive young player. Yeah, he was confident in the warm-up to the game, and, man, he was so good. 20, 20 tackles, none missed. Like, I mean, that, that's, an, that's enough by itself straight away, but a couple of clean breaks, a couple of uh, defenders beaten as well. Like, he just did so much, eight carries. I I was very, very impressed. And I don't understand how they can have so many locks and the rest of the country can have so few. It's, uh, it's not really fair. <clears throat> it isn't. It's definitely not fair. Um We'd be, uh, be in trouble if we didn't miss the Clash of the Titans, Tomati oh, yeah. and Rob Valentini as well. Um, obviously, just two big boppers that I know that's basically all Kargi was watching this game for. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But, mate, watching Yuani in the last couple of weeks, it's just good to see a big bruising body like that in Australia. Valentini is so physical. Um, we've got Harry Wilson. We've got all these number eights that have established themselves in the last few years. But now we've just got another one sticking his hand up, but just as a physical beast at number eight, and, and you love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. This next matchup, I don't know how many people picked it, but Crusaders going down 21 to 24 against the Chiefs. Chiefs coming back to steal this win on the death, basically. Um, we had more COVID disruptions than Asaturo, Scott Barrett both pulled pre game. Um, everything early on was going the way of the Crusaders. They were up 21-10. I think I, I was actually in a box. So all I did was flick on my phone and see the score at 21-10. I went, oh, it's all over, but I'm going to try and watch the end of the game. And I was trying to get it on the TV. By the time I flicked it on, it was basically that last try, and all of a sudden the Chiefs win. So I don't even know how they came back from 10 to, tw- 10 to 21 and ended up winning a few minutes later. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was more uh, disrupted than that, right? Like the Crusaders also lost Brady McAllister, yeah. Tammy Williams, and Mitch Dunshay as well. They just changed their entire pack. Like it was, it was very, very disruptive. But equally, the Chiefs had, you know, they were right down in the the depths of their the, of their players as well, considering they had no Weber or Joshua either. <clears throat> so they ended up 
starting their their probably second choice nine and ten, and then coming off the bench was all their young players like Bo Hippie that just uh, turned it on and made seventy five minutes in. I think the Crusaders were cruising twenty one ten, and I think the result was pretty much done. And then they blinked, and uh, and all of a sudden the ga- the game was over. And it, you know it's funny hearing all the talk from from Twitter and all the different podcasts around about this. Uh, you know, is this the the stencil to how to beat the Crusaders? So I'm thinking like. No. What, what, to hope at the 75th minute that you can score a couple of tries and come back from the death? No way. I think they've got lucky. They're exceptional finishers with great players and they got really lucky. They lose that game no. nine times out of ten. But how good is it when it's the one we, out of ten? We know you don't want to be down to the Crusaders or even just have a small lead with a little bit of time left. So yeah. I don't think you can count your, yourself, you know, that this, this is the way to beat them because they're not always having blokes like, you know, Dom Gardner, uh, Paul Klein, you know, all these guys running on in the, the back end of the game, which really just disrupts them a bit. Yeah, exactly. It's not quite the same side. But, you know, the same could be said for the Chiefs, like I said. So very impressive. And the thing that stood out to me was the tackle count. The Chiefs just owned the ball. 200 tackles odd to the Crusaders and 80 odd to the Chiefs. Like, it's domination. 200 is absolutely epic and you know no wonder the last five minutes the Chiefs just continuing to press they actually managed to wear them down so I think that was pretty telling particularly with some young legs on the park as well yeah how about uh, uh Shooter Stevenson Harry I don't think you're rating him as a you know starter every single week because there is some competition in that back three but he is looking good yeah, I thought he was in a real battle with Jonah Lowe, and I, I, I don't know, I'm maybe not as convinced that that's the case now, to be honest, but he had a blinder. I thought he was really, really good, and uh, probably him at his best. I think that's the best that we'll see from him, but exceptional game from Shooter. And then the other one was uh, Brayton Enor. I feel like since yeah. he did his, I think it was his knee a couple of years ago, we've been waiting for the real Brayton Enor to stand back up again and, talk, and you know show us what all this hype was about, and I thought he was really good too. Very, very good. Let's jump across to the Reds versus the Drua. Reds 33 against the Fijian Drua 28. This was almost a bigger upset. It was very, very close. Fijian Drua almost had the win in the bag here. All right, you want to just uh, jump into this one and give me one second? Yeah, well, the Indrua, they scored their three tries to tie the game up at uh, 28 all, I think it was. You know, we, we talk about um, players with exceptional talent and how about Hambossi makes a break and they reckon he clocked 36 kilometres an hour for his try and then you get up on Twitter after the game that a year ago, I think it was, he was meant to, he had a, a septic arthritis or something in his hip and they were saying that he was, you know, in hospital on his deathbed with an infection uh, he may not get to train again for two years, and there he is just absolutely lighting it up at arguably the fastest player in Super Rugby. And I don't know, I feel like those kind of numbers for his speeds up there with the fastest players in sevens or the US blokes as well. He's just absolutely lightning, Humbossi. Did, did you see the photo of him in the hospital bed? No. Like, he looks like a frail guy. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he was on his deathbed. It was a tremendous turnaround and... I still can't believe I picked him up in draft and he's just turned into such a good player for me. But that's not what this is about, is it? Um, look, Harry Wilson, we should mention before we get to the, into the controversial topic of this one, Harry Wilson just continues to go from strength to strength this year, um, bumping off a couple of people, carrying a couple of people over the line. Like, no one could stop him when he was at his best. And it's awesome to see his development. So he, he is uh, worth a mention. 
And uh, let's say we'll talk Seru Iru as well. Um, oh, he's so he good. He didn't make the pick and drive team of the week. I thought hard done by those boys. I really like looking at when they come out with their, their team each week. I thought he was a shoe in. I think he was the Reds player of the game. He just, he was awesome. He was like a match. I think he, I think he ran for more than a hundred meters. He had a couple of line out steals. He had the try, including the Justin Harrison-esque steal at the end of the game. Like phenomenal, phenomenal game from him. And, and I think it's the reason why Liam Wright's sitting on the bench this week coming as well. He was just too good to drop. You can't you can't drop a bloke when he plays that well. Do you reckon he knew that line-out was coming because they said we're throwing it to the front in Fiji? Yeah, look, I, I don't know, but I, I like the story. So let's say yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, look, he, he was pivotal. He had a good game, but it was that, I think, that last sort of five-minute period that pushed him into the man of the match. Uh, I think Valentini had a big, big week as well, but... Yeah, hard, hard done by for Sarah who you know had a big hand in winning that game for them, and and not to get the not to get the place in their side, but it's tough decisions, tough decisions. That's right, they're making the hard calls. We just we just get to criticize. Um, yeah, exactly. The triple yellow card, man. That's obviously the other big one on this one. You had Harry Hooper off with a late shoulder charge. Josh Nassar off with a shoulder charge, which was shoulder to shoulder. Um, and then I think he got his arm caught up in with uh, Taniella Tupo as well. And then Samu Tawaki just lifted a play past the horizontal. What, what do you think of this one? Oh, look, I mean, the, the sad truth out of it is, I mean, some of them were maybe 50-50s. You, you can't lift a leg. I mean, we, we've seen it a couple of times this year. And shoulder charge, we're trying to get out of the game. And and that Josh Nasser one, yeah, it was shoulder to shoulder. Um Harry Hooper's one, I think, was worse because it was late as well. But, yeah. I mean, this was 10 to 15 minutes of watching. Them, them. Them. Yeah, just absolutely ridiculous and it really drags the sport down. But I, I think we are looking for safety here and these are two things that they're really trying to stamp out of the game. And well, it is silly. Sorry? I think NASA's one could go either way, you know, and the thing that's not in consideration is the fact that Quite clearly, he could not wrap an arm because two yeah. there. So I think that's an impossible position to be in. But the other two, like, how can we be cra- like criticising the process when Harry Hubert and Samuel Tawaki both did stupid things to get your yeah. guard? You don't tip a guy past horizontal. He had all day to make that decision. And Harry Hubert decided to shoulder charge someone late, late off the ball. Like, please, mate, it's that guy's fault. If we're going to criticise someone, don't criticise the rules in this case. How about we just yeah. blame the vitriol on those two players? He's in my team. And I'm still yeah. blaming him. Like, well, I mean, so we're clearly trying to, we're trying to stamp this stuff out and you've got dumb props doing this stuff, mate. Like, you, um, use your head. Use your head. But, um, no, no, you yeah. can't use your head, mate. You get done for that too. <laughs> yeah. We'll move on to uh, maybe the highlight of the week for us. The Waratahs beating the Force 22 to 17. Look, Waratahs were taking the points early and, and just building their lead. They actually, I think, the four scored first. Um, and then the Tars went unanswered for 22 points and, and looked very convincing in that first half. Um, second half, things flipped and and they, you know, I don't know, the, the force managed to disrupt them. Tars probably didn't want to break their momentum at halftime, they would have loved just to keep on rolling through. And and that's something DC mentioned as well when he was interviewed at halftime. He goes, I don't want this halftime to happen. Yeah. And it really right. did it really did disrupt the Tars match because they were they were on a roll. 
Yeah, it was the Will Harrison show, wasn't it? He was in absolutely everything, controlling the game, making every good decision. The forward pack was giving them good ball. And I thought Jack Grant was a lot better after some pretty average showings off the bench so far this season. So it was really, really good. My, my, my two talking points out of this one was I don't know what the hell happened at the scrum, but at the start of the game, I thought the Tars are up against it. They've got Tom Horton, sorry, yeah, Horton in uh, hooker, and they're getting pushed off the ball early by Robertson and co. And then all of a sudden, about 10 minutes in, the <clears throat> flipped and the Western yeah. Force were getting absolutely dominated for the rest of the game. And I was so confused about how it can change that much when it looked like they were the dominant set piece. That was the first one. And then I, I think that was almost a difference just because they got so much dominance out of that and so many penalties, so many uh, turnovers. But the other one was just the ref just loved blowing the whistle. I don't know what the uh, penalty count was in this one, but I'm sure it was over 95 <laughs> penalties in the game. It was so it, high. I think it was 15 penalties to the Tars yeah. and 15 to the four, so 30 penalties. Yeah, nothing yeah. like 30 penalties in an 80-minute game. Hey, how good is that? Great to watch. Yeah. Yeah, a bit, bit ridiculous, a bit pedantic. And we had a, a penalty, yellow card on either team as well. But it was just great to see the Tars. I think Will Harrison changes up their attack and he, and he unlocked that side, that back line, a little bit more for me. Slotting in a first receiver, I mean, Donaldson can be out there in that second receiver and take it to the line a little bit more. But he also injected himself. And I think he looked really, really good in that 15 jersey. My, my only criticize, uh, criticism, sorry, for how they went was I think he unlocked it for himself. Like, we yeah. just saw nothing in Newsome, Peach, and even, um, what's his name at outside centre? Um, Parisi. Parisi. The three of them basically didn't touch the ball. So I know they only had one half to do it, but when they had so much ball and two fly halves there, how did we not give them good ball and good opportunity to try and score? I think Parisi ran like a couple of times in the whole game. Just I, I didn't understand that, you know. Yes, he looked good. Yeah, they controlled the game, kicked well, but, yeah, their, their running game was pretty average. Parisi, I'll let you know, he actually carried it three times, Peach four times. But apparently Will Harrison only carried it four times, so... Something's not adding up. Newsom eleven times. So let's blame Newsom if we have to blame someone. Eleven times. You <laughs> yeah. make any meters for those eleven runs? That's what I want to know. He made forty-four. So wow, four meters a run, mate. He must have been picking and driving. Actually, that makes sense. Then that's why we didn't see him. <laughs> Quite potentially, actually. Yeah, but you know, know I, I, the less about him, the better. I think. I agree. Harrison probably just has to link up a little bit better, but it is a different role for him at that fifteen. He did. He did slot in and, and shovel that ball onto Donaldson, giving a bit more width rather than look to necessarily create himself. But hopefully we see him evolve in that in that role. Lots to like. Just don't forget the Waratahs attacking game plan, which is give the ball to Parisi. Like that's, yep. that's the only thing. Don't go away from that. Yep, the New South Wales Parisi's. That's right. So we, you know, we mentioned the last one, the Hurricanes, Moana Pacifica got delayed. So we'll we'll push on from that one there. Not rescheduled just yet, right? We don't know when that is. The Fantasy Man of the Week. But you can talk about this because I know you've been hanging out for it. Yeah, my boy. That's Tommy Banks. He had an absolute cracker of a game. I think one of the best games we've seen him play for the Brumbies. 80 points, which came off 158 metres from his 11 runs. So a bit better than four runs a metre like Newsom. Scored a try, two try assists, which were pretty brilliant. Eight tackle busts and three line breaks. So Rocks he had an absolute Sorry? Rocks or diamonds, Tom Banks. His last three games, he got 41 points, eight points, 80 points. 
right? It's not bad. It's just that one. That's 25%. If we can just drop that down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll take it. I've got less points. I'm with you. Um, look, uh, we're going to say noteworthy as well. Shannon Frizzell was the leader up until Banks pipped him with the updated score. 67 points from him. Definitely the best we've seen of him for the year. And I'm sure there's more to come. Sean Stevenson, 64. We've talked about him. Siru Iru, 60 points. Blinder as well. The super sub of the week, Dickie Hardwick, your favourite uh, open side flanker, I think. 39 points. He, uh, he had a very good, what, 30 minutes or whatever it was off the bench for them. And uh, to round them out, the Captain Mud Award, in true Rob Simmons fashion for the biggest out of the week, it's another old lock. Luke Romano, minus five points. Tough break for him. That was that was hard fought because there were five or six people on negative points. So That's Luke right. Romano had to have a real crack yeah. to that one this week. Yeah, absolutely. True, um, true spirit of Rob Simmons right there. That's right. That's right. No one could beat him. We wouldn't let it happen. Okay, right. the main course, mate. Let, let's get into that. Um, obviously, Super Rugby Pacific Round Five. Now, basically, the first thing to mention is probably the COVID situation. So it is running rampant. Yeah. So a few more postponements here. This is. It's looking like things are deteriorating rapidly. The Highlanders Moana Pacifica game has been canned. The Hurricanes Chief game has been canned. Is this? Yeah, and then the Crusaders Blues. So we have we have had a reshuffle, and that's the Chiefs versus Moana Pacifica, which was the round two game. That's what we're seeing. Instead, played this week. Yeah. So what what was going on is the Highlanders, Crusaders, and Blues all have COVID in their camps, yeah. so they couldn't play. Yeah, three teams left, and because of the fact that Moana Pacifica and Chiefs have already had a game delayed. The Hurricanes stepped aside so they could play their game because it must fit in with what they're thinking for the redraw, basically, and is the only thing I can think of. Yeah, and and let's be honest, the the Crusaders were canned last week through COVID, so they probably don't have as much stability there as they'd probably love. It makes a lot of sense to to work it this way for all teams involved, but good on them for for stepping aside. Yeah, so talking about the, uh, the one Kiwi game, um, game for this this week is Moana Pacifica versus the Chiefs. Moana Pacifica have not played for a little while, so obviously there's not a lot of changes and there's no information yet about what their lineup looks like. But for the Chiefs, you know, the question is going to be, has Weber, Joshuane, Etene Nana, Saturo recovered in time to come back and play, most importantly for them? And, uh, the, you know, the, it was obviously Ioane and Weber with COVID, but Etene Nana, Saturo, there seemed to be a little bit um, of confusion around if he was a COVID case or if he was pulled late because of an injury. So I don't think that's a, a done deal either way. But the other player that might be back for the Chiefs is none other than Luke Jacobson. So after the form we saw from him last year, I'm pretty excited to see him come back in. I assume straight at six for Kalen Boshier, but uh, he was around one injury three to four weeks. So he should be back, I think. Yeah, no, he's definitely a, a massive in for them if he's back for, I mean, we've got no one, no real changes, or not many changes for Moana, Moana Pacifica. Let's dive into those. And then 9-10, it is pivotal for them. This is, oh, I think you see the connection here. They've dropped in now Onari and McClutchy both to the bench um, with their experience together. And they've brought on Tomatini and Leliafano into that 9-10 jersey. So that Where have you seen this lineup? I haven't seen this lineup. <laughs> Mate, you just you don't know the places to look. 
Well, it's not up on Twitter. It's on um, it's the Aussie Rugby app. What's it called? Rugby Explorer. Really, they're onto it faster than anyone else. How about that? Yeah, they they release them as they come out. They're very very good. We've also got Sione Tuapolotu coming into the six jersey, pushing Matunga out of the side and Fanaki into that seven jersey. They're the only changes we're seeing in the starting side this week, but surely we think that Tomatini, Liliafano access change will give them some more experience and hopefully help them to, you know, utilise some of their power out wide. Yeah, I mean, I actually thought that um, Anari and McClatchy were pretty good when they played the last one, so maybe it's just more a case of giving them both an opportunity um, I was shocked that Tamatini only got like five minutes or whatever it was in that first game they played. So who, who knows what that means in the, the big picture. But, yeah, interesting that there's, there's no Jack Lamb or anything like that into the side either. Um, Lamb actually not even on the bench this week. So I, I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, obviously not quite the uh, stalwart that we were expecting him to be in the side. Um, but, look, it's going to be good to have a second look at them because the reality is, you know, we're around five and we really haven't seen how they're going to go. You know, they they did very well against an underman Crusader side. But what does that mean against, a you know, a strong Chiefs side, you would think? So very interested to see how that goes. Well, this, this centre partnership of Danny Tawala and Levi Almua looked really, really solid for them. So, if they can work off Liliafano and really get those two hitting space and hitting that line hard, it's going to unlock the likes of Timo Fanger and Nuku out wide. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, hopefully it just goes to um, leave our more all day long as well because that's uh, that's where my money's on. Yeah, I know, I know that's where your money is. Um, the other thing is, like, I mean, it's, it's hard to know. This is the one team we don't have the lineup, but do we see Jason Lowe and uh, Chase Tiatia getting a crack for the Chiefs, or do we see Shooter and Narawa? Do you think they did enough, both of those two, to, to stay in the starting lineup? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we, we mentioned it earlier about Jonah Lowe versus Shooter. Um, I think it's not a done deal, but they, Shooter and Narawa, for that for that uh, mention, both did play so well. If you're not going to give them some consistency after match-winning performances for the Chiefs over the Crusaders, then when the hell are you? Um, TTLO haven't done really anything with their couple of opportunities they've had. So I think the most likely thing is they go for a little bit of consistency. You might see them actually get a few minutes in a row, but the opportunities will come for low and tier tier at some stage as well. Um, I wonder how much the Chiefs will experiment given the fact that they are going to play Moana Pacifica and they know they're up for a few big double weeks coming down the line here with all these changes as well from uh, COVID. So, yeah, I suspect they'll go for consistency. Yeah, look, I think that's the, the way they should be looking. Um, back up after last week and, and keep that momentum moving forward. Don't try to disrupt that ship too much. Yeah, and you also had Gatland and Xavier Rowe, you know, 9 and 10. Obviously, Weber and Joshuana have been their first choice, but what, what do you think? Do they make the change and bring them both back in? Does does Gatland just stay and uh, Weber come through? What, what do you think they'll do? Look, for me, they, they really seem to, to lean towards Juani as an attacking weapon for them at 10, a bit of a different style player to, to Gatlin. They do have a lot of strike power throughout that back line. But, I mean, a player as skilled as Yuani, 
I'd want to be seeing him starting off the match. You could easily argue that he is a finisher in, out of the two of those. But look, if it was my pick, <laughs> I'd be starting Ioani at 10. I'd be bringing Weber in at nine as well. So if they're both available, they're the two changes I'd be making. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I hope you think Duro's back. I think it's a pretty obvious one that we think he'll just substrate in for Nunkavell as well, who played on the wing and yeah. did a decent role. But I obviously don't think that's his long-term position or anything either. No, we're, we're, we're big fans of him, but he's definitely a centre. Um, and he's got to take his chances when he gets them in this side. But how do you think Moana Pacific? I know we haven't got a lot from them. This is only their second matchup. But what do you think they'll be looking to exploit from this Chiefs side? Or how do you reckon they can impose themselves on this Chiefs side and try to get a win? Mate, that's a, 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 a difficult question, to be honest. Like the, the Chiefs line... If anything, maybe they're out there, back three is pretty unsettled and the communication around there won't be very good. So you bring in the experience of someone like Lila Lefano, maybe they can look to actually kick into space and manipulate the the where the game is played that way. Um, I, I think that's probably their only opportunity because 12-13 is looking real solid for the Chiefs. The 9-10s are very good. I think they're going to have to hang on to the fact that maybe Gatlin isn't the most exciting 10 or... Joshua Wane just maybe hopefully for them isn't clicking quite with the side just yet. Otherwise, I think they're in big trouble there. And then if Luke Jacobson, Jacobson is back, man, they've got an absolutely stacked forward pack as well. So it's um it's going to be a big ask. Who, who knows? Maybe Sakopi Kepu can kind of push the scrum around a bit. That's a possibility, although I wouldn't be putting my money on it um, to try and get some ascendancy. He's going to have to be very, very good, though, to, uh, to make a big enough difference, I think, for them to close the gap. Yep. So how do you see this one going? Oh, I think the Chiefs will get it done. I think they're going to play a relatively strong side considering the disruption and the fact that Moana Pacifica turned it on against the Crusaders in their first game. So because of that, I think the Chiefs will do it pretty simply, uh, sorry, pretty comfortably, maybe not the 64-odd points they did in preseason, but let's call it more like 30 points this week. Wowza. Yeah, look, I, I think looking at that last matchup against the Crusaders, there was no cohesion there for the Crusaders and it was a, a good game for Moana to move in. Well, I'm going to hope that it's not going to get out to that 30-point mark. They do have some experience. I'm going to maybe lean to the more generous side. I'm just going to split you down the middle and say Chiefs by 15. Right. I mean, you're wrong, but that's fine. Uh, Brumbies versus the Red. Let's push on to the Aussie game. So... The top of the table clash. This is what you've been wanting to say for a week, mate. You called this on the Brumbies versus Rebels last week because you were so excited. Why don't you yep. tell us about the game, given that you have been just hanging out for it? Look, it's pretty rare you see two teams, four on the trot, undefeated, coming up against each other. And what a story between Brumbies and Reds over, you know, last year or the last couple of years. We've got no one in doubt by the looks of it. We've got Slipper, Fainger, um, returning after his round three ankle sprain, Swain and Muirhead all for the Brumbies with Liam Wright working his way back onto the bench after his shoulder injury in round one and Isaac Henry from his broken foot, he's missed the start of the season. But last year, these two teams played three times. Without looking at the notes, I don't know if you remember this, how many minutes did the Reds lead by in three Uh, matches? I'm going to say four minutes. Yeah, good. You read the notes. Good no, I didn't. I, I didn't know. <laughs> it's, it's four minutes. It's dead on four minutes. Yeah, nice. Um, so two of them were after the buzzer and one yeah. was with you know, four minutes left. Yeah, very um, good. So these are tight games. 
And uh, I, I will talk about it when we're talking about the Reds a little bit, but they've got that stay in a fight um, attitude by Thorne. And that's something they really showed last year. And I think it's something they're going to need this year again. Yeah, I mean, the, the big thing for me in this one is that the Brumbies really have a very settled lineup. I don't think much has really changed since they played last year, really. Whereas you go through the uh, the red side and two out of the three of the front row are different with Xander and Nasser. You've got completely different second row, or at least I think Ryan Smith maybe started one, blithe the other, but there's no LSL there, uh, there stalwart there. You haven't got the captain, Liam Wright, actually starting the game, so I'm sure we'll get 30 minutes, but completely different with that. Well, I think at least one or two, he didn't start last year. If you remember, he had a bit of an injury earlier. Mick Wright playing seven, Angus Scott Young played a lot of Super yeah. Rugby AU at that six jersey. There's no uh, there's no Angus Scott Young either, though. Then you've got Kalani yeah. Thomas in there instead of Tate McDermott, so their nine, ten axes has changed. Um Hamish Stewart, Hunter Paisami, as you said, Isaac Henry was the man last year and he's on the bench this yep. year on his way back from uh, from injury. So that's a different position, a pairing for them there where Fluke and uh, Stewart haven't played. Sorry, Hamish Stewart and Paisami have played together, but then you've got Fluke playing on a wing where I don't think it's his position despite being a very smart footballer. And then they're trying Pataira out in the wing, so they've pushed Campbell Full back. back. Yeah. Sorry, at fullback, so they've pushed Campbell back to the wing as well. So there's so much change there compared to the consistency that we've seen yeah. from the Brumbies that it it worries me a bit for the Reds in this one. And I think I think it's probably the common thought here that the Brumbies' consistency in depth is just going to be a bit too much. Yeah, I think you're right, to be honest. Like, the, the Reds have a lot of strike power. They had a lot of strike power last last year. Um, but to be able to come back in those dying moments, I think those that cohesion and those link between the players is, is really needed. And it's going to be a thing missing this year. They're not going to be lacking in that strike power. But another thing that was interesting out of this one were those matchups. We've got Pattaya versus Banks. I mean, it's far too early to say Pattaya is the Wallabies fullback. Um, but people have been talking about it. He had an electric match last week and really inserted himself very well into the game, looked more suited to fullback, at least with ball in hand, compared to, you know, in the centres. Um, but he needs to figure out his positional stuff more. I think that's where he's really going to get punished in this one. We've got Wilson Valentini, you know, both fighting for that number eight jersey. Wilson led, leads the forwards in the comp for carries, metres, also second most on tackles. Um, and Valentini's just stepped up his physicality even more. So there's there's some big matchups in this one. Anyone anyone else? I mean, Paisami, you can tell how good that going to be. I think you can tell holds the 13 jersey. Paisami probably feels like he should have it. Um, <clears throat> let's not talk about Parisi, but um, look, I think that's a massive one as well. And I, I can't wait to see Paisami shooting out of the line and just absolutely hammering Ikitao because he knows that he's got his jersey. So I actually think Paisami might take the points in the game here for that one. You mentioned Wilson. I think Wilson's going to have a huge game trying to put a stamp on this game and carry the Reds forward back as well. You also got Jock and Lalesia, the two obvious options outside of Quaid if he can't come back to the 10 jersey. And Tupovas, Alan Ala Alatoa. So the, the two big tight heads as well. So, like you said, just matchups across the park. It's going to be very, very good. And I think that those five matchups make me think the Reds are going to win. The problem is it's the other 10 that probably make me think the Brumbies are going to win. Or the other eight yeah. team. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Yeah, and the, and the rest of the bench. But look, the, the Brumbies really seeking 
redemption after last year as well. They're going to be, you know, all guns blazing for this one. This is going to be a focus point for them. I reckon that a lot of players have come out this week already saying they're still hurting from last year. And I think Swain said there was a lot of talk out of the Reds and he really wants to just make them shut up. So I like the sound of that, which is quite nice. But, yeah, look, I mean, if I were the Brumbies, I'd be exploiting Pattaya and his positional play. Um, you've got, you know, some smart smart kickers around the team for the Brumbies that have a big boot on them, including Banks, Lola CEO, even Nick White. So I'd be looking to see if we can catch him out of position. Um, I think that's where Pattaya's weakness is at fullback. He showed he can actually defend there quite well, but, yeah, I just don't think he's going to be in the right spots at the right time yet. Yeah, and then like off the back of that as well, you know, we, we look at the Reds' line-out, which has been very shaky. They were 71% against the Rebels, lost five. 75% against the Tars, lost four. And 69% against the Force, lost four as well. So their line-out has been very shoddy. So it, it even encourages them more to go to that attacking King game and try and push around the back three from the Reds, who are going to vary in experience. So... I think that's a very good shout. And, you know, James O'Connor has been controlling games so, so well. I think it's really going to be um, it's going to be up to him to try and, and, and put them in the right part of the park because Noel Alessio, Tom Banks, is, there's a few big boots in there, Nick White, a few big boots that are just going to be trying to pin them down into the corners, I think. Yeah, I think for the Reds, I mean, they, they've been willing to throw the ball around. We saw that against the Drua, Drua last week. Um They've just got to be, you know, those passes have got to stick because for them, the scrum has been hot and cold this year as well. They lost three of their own scrums against both the Rebels and the Force. So that's two out of their four matches um, where the Brumbies have been not as good as they have in previous years. I think they, they struggled in, in, a, in a game or so, but have still been a very strong scrummaging side with Slipper and Fanger uh, returning as well. They're going to be quite solid. So, I mean, it, it's going to be a clash of styles. Um, the one other thing I really wanted to point out is Stewart's been a key cog. You were touching on him last year, not being in the starting side for that grand final, being Isaac Henry. It's going to be really interesting. I, the, the different players, but Stewart has been so pivotal for him, for them this year. How does Isaac Henry work in? Does he get a lot of game time? Does he come off for the dying moments? I'll, I'll be interesting to see there, but Isaac Henry definitely seemed to usurp him in the back end of those last couple of games last year. Yeah, I suspect they'll take him to his time getting him back into the game. He um, had a broken foot, so I feel like it's one of those ones where it's a bit irritable and can be a bit slow. So, you know, he's obviously ready to go. He's on the bench, but I think if they can, they'll probably only give him 20 minutes or something. Yeah. Look, I, I think we've convinced ourselves with a, a bit of our talk that the Brumbies should get this win here. I'm going to say it's still going to be tight. Um, maybe the Reds do have a crack and score late and, and, and tie it up even more. So I'm going to say the Brumbies by three. It's very tight. I'm going to go bigger. Yeah, uh, I was going to say it's maybe generous. but Brumbies by, I'm not going to go crazy, but Brumbies by six, I think. No. Nah. Yeah. How about the Fijian and Drua versus the Western Force? So a couple of injuries from last week. So the two locks. For the Ndrua, they got uh, Rotu Salia, Rotui Salia with his hammy. Uh, 
very suspect for whatever reason the writers aren't very the reporters aren't very good at picking up on the uh Andrua injuries at the moment but if you look at when he got subbed he did grab his hammy and walk off he got about a half a second frame so i went and checked these ones and uh, nasilla as well came off at half time just did not return and then meli duranalangi as well even that one wasn't really picked up in the the um, post-game commentary but looks to have limped off with an ankle injury as well so El Capitan uh, from the last couple of weeks won't be back. For the force, you've got Tom Robertson who came off just before, I think it was halftime with a calf injury. Then you've also got Godwin and Pulu who both had HIAs and have not recovered with the, the I think it's a shorter turnaround for them. So uh, they did play their Sunday game. So, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Um, last time they played. NRC in 2019. Yeah. Are we calling that the uh, the last time yeah. they played? Technically, I mean, it the was same the, kind of names. It's both. No, it was the exact same franchises: the Fijian Drua and the the Western Force, because they dropped down to the NRC. So these two teams have played before. I think they've played once or twice before, actually. But yeah, the, the Force got the win 38-15 back in 2019. There's actually a handful of players on both teams that played in that match. So. It's actually there's some familiar faces if you went back in, into that one, but for the Ndrua, we do have a couple changes. You touched on some of those injuries. We got Tua Fegeleli, where it's the one that I probably was struck. Tua Fegeleli, Tua Fegeleli, and Thoriki in the Veta into the locks, which means we see Ratu Solia back into. Oh, sorry. With his injury and Nasila Silla's injury, we see Joseva Tamani go into the sixth jersey. He came off the bench in the locks last weekend and looked promising, scoring a really, really good try. He's the player that you touched on preseason that was at Newcastle. We wanted to play for the Waratahs, but he made the right choice. And yeah. uh, we see Frank Lamani coming straight into, almost straight into that starting side. Gave him 40 minutes, I think it was last week. And then back into that starting side this week with Jona Amatathiwa. He, he with his first start at 15. Played 23 minutes last week against the Rebels. Yeah, so a few changes and obviously big disruptions through the forward pack. But you can't wait to see Frank Lamani go around. You know, we talked oh. last week about the fact that they have a lot of good options at nine. So I don't know, maybe it won't make a huge difference to their game purely based off the fact that I think the other nines have been class. But uh, nonetheless, he's obviously a name that's more familiar to Australian fans as well um, from his time at the Rebels. So, yeah, look, looking forward to see what he can do. And, hey, pick him up in fantasy footy. And if you're don't, if you you're lucky, they'll uh, shift him to the wing to finish the game like the Rebels. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you just want him, a bit of a highlight there. You want him starting in tight and getting as much minutes in there, just getting his hands on the ball. That's right. That's right. For the Western Force, you got a couple of changes in the props. You got Harrison Lloyd coming in for Tom Robertson. You got Greg Holmes getting a start. So we're going to see how long his legs can last. The old prop. Um, Tim Ancy shifts back to the bench. So you got Stunder shifting across to the eight jersey. And then with Godwin's absence, you've got Kahui into the 13 jersey. I feel like it doesn't matter. Jersey 1 to 15, if you put Kahui in it, he's going to absolutely excel. So I expect him to be amazing at 13, but I Maybe don't know. Maybe four to, 4 to 15. No, I want one to, I think 1 to 13. I stand by what I say. And uh, on that note, though, Bailey Kunzel and Richie Kahui obviously have never played together. What do you think of that partnership? 
Look, they're, they're both playing similar roles when they're in that 12 jersey that they can straighten the line, the, the, def, the attacking line a fair bit. Um, but they do have some attacking weapons out wide. Uh, they've both got some decent ball skills or quite good ball skills for, for you know, centres as well, but they are physical. You know what I mean? They're not your small distributing 12s. They love to straighten the line, but they do have a wide variety of skills. So I, I'd, even though there's no cohesion, I'd like to see them together. I don't know if I agree that they're, they're playing the same role. Bailey Kunzel's like learning his game and shifting the ball. Same role as in like... Ricky role tried. is to score all the points and set up all the points for the Western Force. So I don't know. No, I don't think it's that. It's the young got Matele as well. Matele and Kahui. It's just up to those two to just break the line constantly. So what, I feel like guys that's coming, a The guys coming from the Kiwi franchises, yeah, let's rely on them to score our points. But they're, both, they're, both physical, they're both physical centres, but they both, you know, uh, can, can distribute as well. So hopefully they, they work well in tandem. It's fair to say then that Jeremy Thrush will make a line break or a try assist this week as well then, right, off that, off that plan? Probably just, yeah, Kahui looking for him in the inside ball. That's, that's right, <laughs> yeah. Um, James at 9 and 10, you got Ian Pryor and Jake McIntyre. I think they looked definitely the better 9 and 10 combo last week than they came on. It was hard to deny that the force looked a lot better with them steering them around. So I think an, uh, a, a well-timed rest for uh, Isaac Fiennes, Leo Wasa and uh, Rhys-Jean Pasatoa. But uh, obviously, then they're gone, but not forgotten. But um, what do you think of the nine ten? Yeah, look, I mean, we we probably thought these two would potentially start the season, and that ease the other two in, and it's kind of going a little bit differently to plan. But it, I, I still think the main idea is then, you know, these are the two that have experience, a little bit more reliable together, and they are giving the other players a chance. But maybe they don't want to heap it on them every single week. This yeah. is a game against quite a loose, you know, threatening team. And, and maybe that's why they've opted for that experience to, to settle the team and control the team and get down to the right, you know, the right places on the field. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very good call. Um, and, you know, we talked about the game plan for the Tars being give the ball to Parisi. Clearly, those guys are going to be following the Western Force game plan to give the ball to Matele, right? <laughs> yeah. I think he's uh he's either leading or or yeah leading the comp I think for for tackle bust or or line breaks as well. So if you ever wonder what it looks like to drop a New Zealand like Crusaders outside back into an Aussie side, I feel like we all know the answer now. He's just going to carve up. It's just that his team's not going to do it with him. Yeah, I mean, he he has to go looking for the ball a little bit more because right. if you're playing for the Crusaders, it's coming to you. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I love, I love watching him. And Byron Ralston, the last talking point from this one to me, uh, signed over for Connacht, I think it was, over in Ireland, um, basically ditching us. I would love players to come out and make these announcements themselves rather than getting out in the media because then at least he could say, yeah, guys, I want to go overseas and just, you know, take the opportunity when I know I'm not in the World Cup picture to to get some experience and see if I can develop. But instead all the stories say, oh, look, he's Irish qualified. And to be honest with you, I don't think he's anywhere near the island picture yet either. But um, either way, I, I, it's hard to, to see this as anything but him defecting, which is disappointing. Oh, look, I mean... The fact that he's Irish qualified and he's going to Ireland and Ireland have been picking anyone that's Irish qualified around the world, I think it's fair to say they're going, you could be in our plans. It doesn't mean he's going to walk into that side. I don't think he's there, but he is a, quite an electric young winger, 21 years old. 
they probably going to keep him there for a few years, see if they can extend it and get, get him a chance to play for Ireland. So for him, he's probably been tempted by that. I don't like to see it. He's going to come out in a week or two saying, I've always, or a few months, I've always wanted to play for Ireland. Ireland are my favourite team. So, yeah, you know, he's dead to me. That's right. And I'm, I was I was going to say something along the same lines. I'd be much more bitter than the coach here. I, I, I don't understand the, the coach of the force, really, to be honest with you. If, if I had a player sign overseas, it's like someone putting in their resignation at work. You don't start giving them all the best jobs. You just say, mate, say it out and do your job where you need it. I know that Tony Poole is injured, but give Grace Grayson Makara a run or one of the other young guys or McGregor a run. Like, just anyone but Ralston, I'm sorry. He's just going to have to fill the bench. I agree. He has to earn that chance and, and leaving puts him further down that, that ladder for me. Yeah. Uh, result, what do you reckon? Forced by or drew by? Oh, I think I think the drawer could get the win here. Um I, I know that's – I don't even know which way to lean for this one, but the, the Force have struggled to score points. The Drua, Drua can score points pretty much against anyone is what they're showing in the Aussie conference at least. So I think the Drua, their bulk points will get them a win. Uh, the defensive you know, lineups maybe not as solid as the, the Force are, but the Drua are going to win this one by seven. No, you're mental. Western Force will win this game. They are not the Melbourne Rebels. I'll put that out Mate, right. Oh, look, they're so much better than the Melbourne Rebels, but they have barely been able to score a point. Yeah, but the they're, last they're not versing the best defence in the comp this week either, so I reckon they'll get up. <laughs> they'll score a fair few the high, in the high 20s themselves, I reckon, and they'll win by six points, eight points. I'll say eight points. Just say seven, so we're both seven no, I want, I want. I want more than a converted try, eight points. So no, no bonus points for the Ndura is what you're saying. Correct, yeah. All right. I'm saying force scraping a bonus point. Right. Okay, last game of the week is Waratahs versus the Rebels. we got Jeremy Taz, Williams. Taz by 100? Uh, Sun Rebels, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Williams did his hammy last week. He was pilfering a ball, which actually he got a penalty for, but then got forced into an overstretch. And those are the injuries where people tear high hammies, rupture it off the bone. You know, they're the really nasty-looking ones where you see it, you just go, oh, man, this guy might be out for a bare minimum three months. He could be having an op. Like, it's it's worrying to watch that. I like at least that you saw him icing and pointing to his hammy midway down. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that's not the case, but it's going to be a while until we see him, I suspect. Let's say, in my head, I'd be really shocked if he was back within less than six weeks. Um, could be longer. I think his season's basically done in my head. It's but, great that um, the one saving grace is that we've got Cridge back because if we were missing Cridge as well and then Jeremy Williams down, it's starting to look very, very thin. And Max Douglas down as well, mate. Yeah. Yeah. So he's still not back. We don't know what happened to him last still week. Not, yeah. But um, Parecki as well, he's back from his groin injury. I don't know how you have a groin injury. That costs you one week. Maybe he got Jeremy Williams' groin infection. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe it was one, one of those uh, bathroom injuries. That's right. Uh, look, last time they played, the, the Rebels got up both games in 2021, 33 to 14 and 25 to 36. If I do remember correctly, I think I was walking home crying at the end of those games because the Tars were so bad. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen this time. Look, this this week you got the same team for the for the Waratahs. I was really hoping we saw Raboni Warren Vasayatho back from his hip injury, but he's gone from round four to round five, and now he's expected in round six. So, 
you know, I was pulling my hair out um, trying to work out why they couldn't shore up their their back row a little bit more um, and get rid of Hugh Sinclair. No offence to him, but um, obviously there will be some taken. But um, Raboni, I would have loved to see at six, maybe maybe next week. And then the other one for me was Ram. Ram was meant to be back from his rib injury this year, this week, and instead you got yeah. Nusip on one week, Peach on the other. You got Nawanganetawasi. That's just not really lighting the world up on the bench. Like, what does Ram have to do to get a run? He was such a prospect two years ago. So, something's not right there if he's not in this squad, right? Is he, is he still injured? We know he's definitely back and fit. They said right. round five, and I don't think he was listed in their list of injured players anymore either, actually. So, yeah, yeah I, he, um, I'll, I'll double-check it right now. But, yeah, he's um, he's not listed. Yeah. Ram's one of those ones for me that, you know, he was in the fight for that 15 jersey, but if he's not in that 15 jersey, because we're, we're happy with Harrison there, he seems like a no-brainer to, to fill that wing spot for me. Parecki's been physical, Newsom's been stable, but I think Ram really adds a bit more X factor compared to those two, so... And he's allowed, to, and he's able. If even if you have him on the bench, he can play wing and fullback. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. We'll push on. Um, look, the, the the big thing for that there's no Gordon and no Max Douglas. I should say as well. I think Gordon. I've said now three to four weeks for his hammy, most likely. But um, the big thing for me for the Waratahs for this week, while we're on them, is they need to start scoring some tries. Like their defense and grit has been good. Uh, I know these things don't change overnight, but their ability to get Parisi the ball as the X-factor player, um, avoid Newsom and Peach with the ball as much as possible as the un-X-factor players, I think they really need to work out how this team scores points because it is a big problem for them at the moment and it's probably the difference between them becoming a genuinely competitive team against the better sides or just kind of sitting in the also runs that are also runs that are gritty and can beat the, the lesser teams because they're not good enough at attacking themselves. Can I say maybe a harsh thing? Like the, the Tars for me have shown they can attack. They, show, they haven't shown they can finish. And it seems to be a few people really sticking their hand up to bomb really nice opportunities again and again. I mean, it's not your Bells. It's not your Holloways. You know, the guys charging the ball up. It's HJH has made a couple mistakes. But, you know, it's it's not your Will Harris really making these mistakes on the line where they're all getting back up and getting, you know, phase after phase, getting into these plays and moving the ball forward. Just There's just some somebody seeming... To let the phase of the the structure down. Outside backs, mate. The outside backs. Have they scored any tries this year? Genuinely, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So they're it's, taking a Mickey. Like, well, aren't aren't they? Don't they call you like, buddy? Finishing like specialist finishers on the wings. Like, well, you, you should be a specialist finisher. But look, I per, per um, what's his name on the the right wing coming Peach. from sevens, Peach. Like, there's, there's been things to like about him. Don't get me wrong, he's a real physical player, but I don't think he's, you know, a, a lock for, for a wing spot. Newsom gets a wing spot, you know, or centre spot or a full-back spot just so he can be in the side. He's experienced and, and he's had some good moments and they were better moments at full-back than, than anything else. But, I mean, he's not a lock to, to be on the wing. Neither of those guys are genuinely finishing these opportunities, being in the right places to finish these these opportunities. And and that's a concern for me. And I, I don't know how they fix it unless they go, look, you guys have 
got to go. You know, we got to bring Ram in. We got to bring even bring you know someone else into those jerseys to have a crack. Yeah, well, no, no one going to ask. He's quite clearly the best attacker. So I think you just got to back him in my head. Unless he's completely out of it, out of the selection frame, I feel like you just pick him on a wing and he just plays the whole season. And you just yeah. concede the fact that he'll make a couple of mistakes and cost you a couple of tries. But anyway. And Chuck Ram on the other wing. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm, with you. I'm with you. How about the Rebels? Look, Randwick, uh, Hardwick, or it's written different in this one. Hardwick is getting the start in that seven jerseys over Wilkin. Both players that have shown promise but are up and down. We've got young Tonamapea into that outside centre role, meaning we see Stacey Illy shift to the bench, something that you and I have been calling for for a very long period of time. So maybe it's an improvement for the for the Rebels. But young Tonamapea, oh, look, he's, he's had some line breaks. He's had some positive things when he's been on. But it will be interesting to see if he can ignite this back line. We still don't see Gordon in that 10 jersey, which, I mean, we, we say it week in, week out. If you're not going for the win now, you want to be building for the win later. And, I mean, it seems like they're not doing either if they're sticking to Moore at 10 and just keeping him there. It seems baffling to me. But I, I, for me, I, I, don't, I don't think this is it. I think they need to have... I mean, Ely's not horrible in the 13 jersey. If you want to make a change, make a change. But Tamua, Gordon have to be your 10, 12. Stick with them. You're sticking with Kellaway in a wing. You're sticking with Hodge in a wing. And get these guys building over the next few years. And we can, you know, you can feel that 12 jersey at another point. But if you've got Tamua playing 10, and we don't have a long-term 12 necessarily there either, you're looking to fill those. We don't have Stacey Ely at 13. Like They're going to have bulk changes in the next couple of years. The one thing out of those three positions that's probably going to stay will be Gordon. So give the guy a crack and try to build moving forward. Yeah, 100%. I just I, I pull my hair out to the coach. Oh, sure. I just I don't know what the hell he's picking. Honestly, he's just like, well, let's just throw it, throw throw some darts at a board and whoever, whichever player it lands on their picture, we'll pick them, eh? Uh, anyway, look, the, the selection makes no sense to me whatsoever in the in the back. So they've at least got some options there now with. And, you know, so Robbie's the other one. I thought he played quite well off the bench last week. And what's his reward? He goes back to the uh, out of the squad. Like, he doesn't get another run. So James Tuttle back in. Uh, I'm with you. Carter Gordon, 10. Tamua, 12. Stacey Ely, 13. Get him straight back in there. I'd keep Vaihu or Tonamapaya and the one wing. And then you've got Kellaway and Horrocks. At least pick a good side. Like, yeah, man, I'm over it. They're, they're, I hope the Waratahs put him to the sword, honestly. I really we're do. And yeah. We'll, see. we'll have to see. I don't know. It's it's baffling. Yeah, I got the Tars by ten points. Look, I think hopefully that's being really generous to the Rebels. I'm going to say that the Tars something is going to click. They don't have much defense coming at them, so I think hopefully it's going to click for them. I'm going to say fifteen points. I hope you're right. Love it. Look, let's finish with a little bit of d d d d dessert d dessert eh? What you do with that? The only one I had here was uh, I've already whinged about a couple of the coaching selection issues tonight, so I don't have to do that. But uh, Nandolo, um, 
He's might be coming back to Australia. Apparently, he's already been chatting to the Reds, and the Waratahs have not talked to him, but said they're open to him coming back. Now, number one, what the hell are you doing, Waratahs? Like, we just had a conversation about the fact that you need someone that can actually finish. And the Reds have so many players, but um, how good would it be to see this man back in the Australian rugby? I mean, he he started his Super Rugby, made his debut for the Tars. I'm sure. I don't think he ever got a run for for the Reds prior to that. But look, oh, it's it's a hard one. I don't know if you've seen what's happened on social media with this. The the guy that leaked it, uh, Nadolo, just absolutely tore him to shreds. You know, was was calling him names. You know, abusing him repetitively, and it was going back and forth. And he's he seems very unhappy that this news has either been made up or broken. It feels like it's been broken because he wants to return, you know, home. But the, the talk was also that he'd love to return to or, or turn up to the Fuji, Fiji Ndrua, um to see if he can offer his services there as well. So it looks like there's probably three teams that might put their hand up for him if indeed he does come back to Super Rugby. And at the age of 34, 35... He is physical and no one can stop the man out 10, 15 metres out. So if I were the Tars, I'd be picking him up. I don't think he's going to get it, be on a huge wage. Just pick the man up, bring Naira Vora back while you're at it and, uh, yeah, let's go for it. Or Lester Fanger and Nuku. I feel like they've got a lot of outside backs still at the Crusaders. will take him. Yeah, that's fair. Surely Team Fanger Nuku's got a relative that's Aussie. Let's go the Irish route, you know, just... See if we can find some someone overseas that's got an Aussie, you know, grandparent or something like that that we can bring in. Surely there's a Kiwi and Kiwi winger at the moment with a Aussie grandparent. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm with you 100. percent Are you reading the Twitter posts now? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any quotes? <laughs> Do you want to throw any Nadola quotes out there? Uh mate, I don't know if you'll appreciate that. I don't want him coming at me. He's a big boy. But yeah, uh, get on there, go have a look at his Twitter. He has come out and apologised since, um, but he's clearly frustrated. It seemed like he was trying to deny it. He was quite upset, but where there's smoke, there's fire, and something's obviously, you know, got on his nerves. So he maybe feels that he, there's a bit of grievance that he hasn't released it to his team or, or to his fans. Like we're saying, we want the Aussies doing. So maybe that's what set him off, that he wants to tell his, you know, long-term fan base that he is leaving. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, G-Rock, Georgina Robinson, I think it looks like, was the one that leaked the story, so he's not very happy. No, no, he's blown up at the bloke, the, the guy that released it first. It wasn't Georgina Robinson who was the first one. I think she's, uh, she's, she's echoed what's been discussed. And the guy was claiming that he talked to Mandolo's uh, manager and said, while you're at it, if we have a chat, I'll tell you a better manager to go find. So I think he was trying to throw Nandolo's manager under the bus saying he's leaking stuff. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, there you go. I think that'll about do us, mate. Um, unless you got anything. No, that's it. I, I mean, uh, maybe one quick touch. With you know, a month into this, and I saw a few people talking about how many wins the Aussies are going to get, and if it's going to be horrible crossing over to the Kiwis. Is is that the way you see it, or what do you think the build of the the Tars, the Force, maybe the Brumbies, and the Reds are very, very disrupted, but still eking out some wins. Do we think that? You know, at this point, things are going to be better than last year? Uh, not really, to be honest with you. I think they're going to be pretty grim. I think the the Highlanders don't look as good this year. The Chiefs haven't quite hit their straps, but they've still got plenty of time. 
I think the numbers are going to look better because Moana Pacifica are around, but, yeah, no, I don't think it's going to be a whole lot better. I think maybe the gap closes a bit on some more of the points, but, no, nah, we're going to get toasted once again. It's just uh, maybe the Brahms. The Brahms, hopefully the Brahms can get two or three wins and then I'd feel all right about ourselves. And I think the Reds, if they can get some of their players back, hopefully they can get a couple wins. And the Tars to beat the Highlanders and then we'll, we'll start to talk. And the Crusaders, yeah. Sounds yeah. good, mate. I'm with you. That sounds good to me. All right, until yeah. next week. Hey, Ruth.